1: Highlights for me was the session that we had with Dr. Remy Banjoko. All the sessions blessed me, but this one particularly blessed me, maybe also because of where I am at this point in time in my life. Um, and he brought a session on creating wealth, um, basically around financial literacy. I've been to a, f- a few of those things in my lifetime, but I've never had any uh, brought as simply as he brought it. Um, we ran out of time. Uh, because the wealth of knowledge he has would require two or three days of him just pouring into us. But what he did was that he he helped us get rid of some preconceived notions. He brought some information that that is critical that has made quite a number of us start taking decisions already. And this was just between yesterday and, and today. And as he was rounding up, I thought to myself, part of our passion is to equip, us, uh, equip you as the church. I thought, now these men who are here have had some of this information that he has brought that can start them on a journey. I said, I would really love if he could share in church. I know we don't have enough time, but at least he can give us a framework and we can start to work Start to uh, work towards that. So right after the, the intro, and we're going to just play the mandate intro, I'd like you to open up your hearts and welcome him as he comes to share with us and get your notebooks. He, he, he Like I said, he's going to give a framework and rush through uh, because it's really something that he would spend at least two days, four or five sessions to get to the nitty-gritty of it. Um, but I'm certain that what he has to share will do what it did to us at Mandate in terms of positioning us and pointing us in the right direction. So after the intro, please let's make him welcome to the church. He has been a blessing to Mandate um, and to our first service, and I believe he will be to the second service. So let's, let's run the intro and then make him welcome.
0: Dr. Remy Banjoko is an experienced financier and private investor with nearly two decades of experience in the global markets. He originally qualified as a medical doctor and practiced in the United Kingdom for several years but always retained a passion for the financial markets. He has investments in property and construction and greenhouse farming amongst other things. He is also co-founder and director of an online financial markets brokerage firm, DKB Markets, with offices in London and Lagos. He is an experienced and successful author with several books available on Amazon, including Trading and Investing Made Easy. Please give a special empowered mandate welcome to Dr. Remy Banjoko.
2: Jesus House, and thank you again, Pastor Aguruka, for inviting me over. It's always good to be here, and thank to your lovely wife. She's not here, but yes, Pastor Shala has been a blessing to me and to our charity in Rwanda. I think Jesus House has been, in general, has been very good to us in Rwanda. Uh, Like Pastor Agu said, uh, over ten years ago, just with five thousand pounds, they were able to revolutionise a whole community in Rwanda just by buying pigs uh, we were able to change the lives of 100 families and 100 families have gone from being poor to ending their own income self-sufficiency and that's all from 5,000 pounds 10 years ago that Jesus House gave you changed lives so a round of applause for Jesus House and thank you very much and to Pastor Shola Ruku. And the QSL department, also the Feniwa Iroku Trust, sponsor lots of children through school. But also, I must give a special thank you to members of the congregation. Uh, there are quite a few of you I know personally who actually sponsor children in Rwanda. So, thank you on behalf of the orphans and widows in Rwanda. Uh, and also, finally, the Esther's group. Uh, thank you for the bras. Uh, no, the bras were not for me. <laughs> I must clarify that the bras were for the widows in in Rwanda. Uh, they did a bras without border trip one time, and it was true blessing to the women. So I always said that you should come back with your bras again. Okay, so thank you very much. Right, so we're going to be talking about how to make uh, uh, money work for you, and uh, just to sort of give you an intro to this topic. Uh, my favorite passage for investment is the Parable of Talents. You know, um, Matthew 25 uh, from verse 14. You all know the Parable of Talents, uh, so I'm not going to preach. I'm not here to preach. But what I love about the Parable of Talents is that it highlights some principles uh, in the Bible as to what you need to be doing. Because as you see from the Parable of Talents, in fact, it starts like, like in the kingdom of heaven you know the master gave his servants you know 5 talents 2 talents and 1 talent but the key was he gave them talents according to their ability so it shows that the more ability you have the more able you are uh, the more able you are the more you will get and the more talents you will get and of course self improvement self investment in yourself can help you gain more talents But crucially also, I always say talents can be seen as different things. Number one, talents is the actual talent God has given you. The gifts he's given you, the calling, what he's called you to do, the gifts he's given you. What are you doing with them? The gift of time, the gift of money, the gift of your experience, the gift of your knowledge. What are you doing with it? Are you burying it or are you making it multiply? As you see from the parable of talents, the guy with five, what did he do? He traded it and made five more. The one with two, traded it and made two more. The one with one, what did he do? He buried it. But why did he bury it? Because when the master came back, he buried it because he was what? Afraid. He was afraid. And that's usually what stops most people progressing in life, is fear fear of you the know, unknown, what if this happens, what if that happens, what if I do this, what if I do that? Uh, as I say, fear is frozen energy. You get stuck, you don't move. So you need to do something to move forward. Um, you know, from a medical point of view, you know, they say we're only born with two fears. You're born with the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. So those are the only two fears you're actually born with, fear of falling, fear of loud noises. So any other fear you have is irrational. (laughs) It's learned. You learn it from your society, from friends, from neighbors, your family. You learn it. And you have to start, on. especially in church, because, you know, you're not born with a spirit of fear, are you? You're empowered. You've got the Holy Spirit. So you should be bold and take, you know, chances and decisions. But in conclusion of the Bible of Talents, you can see when the master came back, the guy produced... 10 talents, and what did the guy do? He gave him more and blessed him with abundance. The one with two, again, he gave him more and blessed him with abundance. But the one with one, so you can see when you're trying to be cautious, try not to take chances, try not to use and flourish with the talents God has given you with your time, your experience, your talents, your gifts. You do nothing with it. It's not going to please him. He was very upset with the guy. He took it and gave it to somebody else. And in fact, I gave it to the guy that had 10 talents. So it just shows you that, you know, it's time to do something. Okay, so on that note, let's talk about money. Uh, is the clicker on? No, it's off. Okay. Right. Um, Obviously, like Pastor Agu said, um, I'm just going to give you uh, an insight and an overview of money and how you can use money. Uh, but of course, we won't leave you hanging. Uh, so if you have questions, you can send it, your questions by text or video to the Twitter handle, or Instagram handle at JesusHouse.co, uh, JesusHouseUK, and also NextGenFL. NextGenFLX is my handle, so I can respond to your questions. So obviously, we won't be taking questions here, but you can send your questions. And I will also mention during the mandate, we had a quiz and competition where you have the chance to win a copy of my book. But now that I'm talking to you guys, we'll open up the competition to the whole congregation. So if you want to win the book, uh, you can quickly write this down. I'm going to be very quick, so I don't take up too much time. It's just two questions you have to answer. And the questions are, number one, what did you learn from today? That's question one. What did you learn from today? What I'm about to talk to you about. What did you learn from that? And number two, what are you going to do? From today. So what did you learn from today? What are you going to do? And you send your answers to at Jesus House UK and at NextGenFLX. The closing date is midnight tomorrow, midnight Monday, and the winners will be chosen by the Jesus House team and they will contact you to come and pick up your book. Okay, so that's that. Financial literacy, that's what we're talking about. Financial literacy is the ability to make informed judgments. And that's crucial. That's the key to all this. What is your ability to make informed judgments? So if you want to get into the real estate market, what is informing your judgment? If you want to get into the financial markets, what is informing your judgment? If you want to get into the restaurant business, what is informing your judgment? Because you find most people jump into stuff without the knowledge, without the understanding. And surprise, surprise, you get burnt. So it needs to be what's, what's informing you. And of course, most importantly, what's informing your judgments regarding money. So that's what it's all about, your ability to make informed. So you have to be informed, make informed judgments, and take effective decisions regarding the use and management of money. How effective are you using and managing money? Do you understand how money works? Do you understand how you can play the money game? Do you understand how money affects you? Do you understand things like inflation, how it affects you, consumer price index, GDP, interest rates, compound interest, savings, investing? Do you understand how this all affects you? Because it's very crucial in your day-to-day life. So this article from Forbes article, the key there is that two-thirds of the world's population are financially illiterate. So two-thirds of adults around the whole world are classed as financially illiterate, i.e. they don't understand money, they don't understand how to use money, they don't understand things like consumer price index, GDP, interest rates, savings, investing. And that's the key and that's what we're hoping to change. Well, that's my ministry now, I guess. <laughs> so that's what it's all about, trying to make you financially literate. And okay, well, we'll start with the consumer price index because that's a crucial one that begins to understand why you need to start taking money seriously uh, and why you know, investing or creating wealth, so to speak, is important. Now, the, what's consumer price index? It's also called inflation. So consumer price inflation is the same thing. But the key is what is it and how does it affect you personally? Now consumer price index is defined as the rate of increase and the keyword word there is rate of increase. What does rate of increase mean? It's moving. It's not static. So it's defined as the rate of increase of basic, Keyword again, basic consumer goods and services. Not high-end, basic <laughs> consumer goods and services over a period of time. So that's what Consumer Price Index is. Rate of increase of prices of, consumer, of basic consumer goods and services over a period of time. And they usually measure it over a year. So for example, now we're in September. So what they will do is that they'll take the average of basic goods and se- consumer goods and services in the UK... Every country does this. So in UK, they'll take the average of basic consumer goods and services in the UK, around the UK, and they'll see how much the prices have gone up from September last year till September this year. Then the report comes out in October. And then in October, they do the same. They'll see how much prices have gone up from October last year till October this year will come out in November. So it comes out every month. So basically they tell you every month, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, you're in trouble, but nobody notices, isn't that right? Because it's not like they announce it in secret. It's in the newspapers, it's on the news, but people just make it go over their head. And that's why it's important to understand what that means. So let's unpack it a bit, because what they're actually doing, when they say basic consumer goods and services, what they're measuring, if you take yourself as an individual, if you live in a home, you're either paying a rent or paying mortgage. Isn't that right? So what they would do is they would find out what's the average cost of a mortgage or average cost of rent in an average area. And that's the key. They're not going to look at Knightsbridge or Bell, Bellsize Park and all that. It would be an average place in an average area. So the, in your house, you're sleeping on the bed they look at the average cost of beddings and furniture, maybe for my care, somewhere nice and cheap. Okay, so you get out of bed, you want to have a shower, brush your teeth, average price of soap, toothpaste, toothbrush. You go to have breakfast, they'll look at average cost of milk, eggs, wittabix, um, cereal, things like that, basic stuff. You get dressed for work, so they look at average cost of clothes from Max and Spencer's, Primark. They're not going to be looking at Harrods or YSL or Gucci. That's not what they're looking at. They're going to have basic stuff. So you get, you get dressed, you want to go to work, go to school, wherever. You have to take public transport, so average cost of uh, transport fare, or you're driving a car, average cost of a car, average cost of petrol. So you can see they're looking at the cost of things we all use on a daily basis, but it's basic. They're looking at the basic stuff. And they want to see how much all this has gone up in value in terms of prices over the year. So this is the key now. Now that you understand what Consumer Price Index means, so if the cost of living has gone up by 1.7% over the last year, so prices of basic goods and services has gone up by 1.7%, what should your salary go up by so you can maintain your basic lifestyle. The same thing, isn't that right? Very simple, so it's logical. So if the cost of living has gone up by 1.7%, then your salary needs to go up by 1.7%, so you can just buy your Wittebix and go to work. Isn't that right? Basic, and then go to Marks and Spencers and Primark. Okay? So is that, Are you happy to just settle for an increase of 1.7% in your salary? But the big question is, does your salary actually increase by 1.7%? Exactly. So your salary actually doesn't even increase by 1.7%. So if every year, cost of living is going up by 1.7%, and every year your salary doesn't go up by the same, and this happens every year till you retire, what's going to happen to you? Sorry, I've come to dull your mood this, this morning. <laughs> I can hear a lot of murmuring. But it's good to know. So, yes, you're heading for disaster. You're heading for luck. You're heading for a struggle in retirement. So... That's the sad thing about getting this report every month about consumer price index and people are sleepwalking towards a disaster. So you need to wake up. So you can now begin to understand the importance of consumer price index. Because you can see, number one, your salary is not even making the 1.7% to maintain your basic lifestyle. And if you want a fabulous lifestyle, you want more than 1.7%. So you can see you've got a lot of work to do. Okay? So, like I said in the first service, if that's all you understand and can take on board from what I'm saying, that's my job done because you now know the reality of life. You know the reality of what you're living through. That's why your money runs out before the end of the month. That's why, despite the fact they give you a bonus, they give you a salary increase, you still keep running out of money. Isn't that right? You always wonder why. Isn't that right? You think there's some auntie costing you somewhere. (laughs) But it's not. It's the fact that the money is not keeping pace with inflation. And as you can appreciate, 1.7 is actually very conservative. I'm sure all of you know the cost of transport has gone up by way more than 1.7 percent. Cost of heating, gas has gone up by more than 1.7 percent in the last year. Isn't that right? So you can see it's an uphill task. So with that realization, you then have to make a choice. Okay, I now know the reality of life. I now know what is happening. I now know where I'm heading. So you've got two choices. The choice, number one, is to do nothing about it. Live in fear, be scared, you don't want to take any chances, and do nothing. But what happens if you do nothing? Your poverty is guaranteed. So, doing nothing really is not an option. If you think about it, it's actually better to take a risk and lose money than do nothing. Because if you do nothing, get, you're definitely going to lose. If you do something, you might make it and live a fabulous life, you might lose. You remember the lepers? In fact, we are like the lepers. They said, look, if we stay here, what's going to do happen? We're going to die if we go into the city, they might kill us. But we know here we're definitely going to die. (laughs) So what did they do? Well, we might as well. (laughs) What do you have to lose? That's the attitude you have. Again, being Christians, you know God is on your side. God empowers you. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you, make you make discerning decisions. But don't be like the parable of talents where you hear this and bear it. Okay, so... Now that you understand that, that's what we're all about, is trying to beat this magic figure of 1.7% uh, in terms of the inflation rate. And that's why you find that, you know, executives and companies, when they negotiate their salaries, they always tell them they want their salaries to be increased with inflation because they know even if they're earning one million pounds a year, if you're not guaranteeing they're going to increase it with inflation, they're going to be in trouble. They know that even footballers to know that. Ronaldo was, that's in their contract. Even if you're signing him for 90 million, he in fact, they always do it way above inflation. Because they know that even if you're giving him $90 million, my lifestyle of $90 million has to be maintained. <laughs> so it has to go up with inflation and way above inflation. So you begin to understand the importance of that. The other good thing about inflation too is that, how many of you have savings accounts? Yes, it's usually the case. Most people have a savings account. What's the interest rate you get on a savings account? Exactly. So you you all know it's rubbish, like you say. (laughs) So the average is about 0.5%. So now that you understand consumer price index, you can realize that is not cutting it. So you can see that's why the, the definition is very important. Informed decision making. Why did you open a savings account? You see? What informed your decision or your judgments to open a savings account? So now that you see that with inflation of 1.7%, and you're getting 0.5%, then you begin to question, what am I doing with this? So that's where knowledge and information comes into play. If you're running a business, whether it be in a restaurant business, fashion business, even real estate, whatever you're doing, if your return is not more than 1.7%, you're not making money. So that straight away gives you the bar or your target. And, of course, you want to do way more than that. This is just some from other countries. They are, these are all latest figures from September. Uh, you can see my lovely home of Nigeria, 11.02%. Um, but, yeah, you know, if you're in Nigeria, there are investments that can give you above that. But we're in UK, let's stick with UK at 1.7%. So that's just a cartoon about the effect of consumer price index. This guy was shopping, got to the line, and the prices had gone up. By the time he got to the cashier. So that's what tends to happen with consumer price index, you know. What do you mean prices have gone up since I got in line? So you have to be worried that you're playing catch-up. So we've gone through the accounts. So we've said savings account is not really the way to go to make money or to create wealth or to get passive income because the interest rate is not good. The average is 0.5%. That's sort of the best you can get, but most people is 0.5%. Same with the cash ISA. Some people open ISA accounts, but just put cash in there. They don't actually invest it. I mean, people always have to remember that ISA itself is not an investment. It's just a place you can put in your money that is tax-free, but in itself is not an investment. So, if you just put in cash in your ISA and you don't put in an investment, you get 0.5%. Okay? So, let's. Same with the bonds. Some people buy bonds thinking they're good, and they are good, but you can see the return is 0.62% in UK. So, at 0.62%, again, it's not cutting it. Inflation is 1.7%. You're buying bonds, it's giving you 0.62%. Again, bonds don't cut it. Uh, you can see Nigeria, you can get 12.15%. So you can see with Nigeria, you can beat inflation buying bonds in Nigeria. Uh, Rwanda, my spiritual home, obviously, it's always in my presentations. <laughs> um, the, you can get 11.3% a year. And what I love about Rwanda, again, I'm not advising you to go there and I'm not recommending it, but what I like is just to understand as an illustration why consumer price index and understanding it is important. Because in Rwanda, the inflation rate is steady at 1.6%. So inflation is steady at 1.6. They're giving you a bond at 11.3%. Their currency, too, is stable. So you can see that's a huge return. When you take it in light of, compared to Nigeria, where the inflation is 11.3, and then the bond is 12. So you only have like a 1% gap. Well, UK is negative. (laughs) Now, the Church of England... Again, Church of England, too, they understand financial literacy. They understand the importance of money. So that's why you can see with Church of England, they have an 8.3 billion pound investment fund. So you can see they don't rely on the church. What funds the Church of England is their investment. They're heavily invested. 8.3 billion pounds that they invest in the stock market. Not only do they do that, and you can find, this, it is all public information, which on, you can get on their website. Not that they only invest 8.3 billion pounds, which they've been doing for a long time, but they're smart about it. Because their investment objective is to generate a return of inflation plus 5%. So you see, they have to understand. It's not just take 8.3 billion pounds and do what you like. It's like, look, you fund manager, this is your target. Inflation plus 5%. You telling them you've made 1% return, that doesn't trip them. They want inflation plus 5%. So basically they're telling the guy this year your target is 6.7% minimum. And you can think about that. 6.7% return every year compounded on 8.3 billion pounds. You did not need anybody to help them. So that's what financial knowledge and illiteracy is all about. Okay. This is just to show you some of my own investment accounts, because it's just just to show you that what I teach is more from experience. cases of practice, what you preach. Uh, So it's not from theory or from books. It's from going through it myself. So this is a U.S. account. You should see the portfolio going up. But that's the beauty. That's what I want to show you, it it can go up and down. But if you invest in the long term, you don't need to panic and understand long-term investment. Yes, the market will go up and down, but in all, it goes up. This is my UK investment account, uh, just part of it. But what I want you to see is just a percentage return at the corner here. So you can see my own investments are getting 68% return, 107, 68, 49, 212, 59, 48, or 68. And this is in Nigeria. So again, it's the same principles I use wherever I invest. Once you get the principles down, you can use it anywhere. So this is Nigeria, where I do individual stocks. Again, I I like to highlight this so you can see First Bank is down 21%. So again, it's not like you will make money all the time, but if you diversify your portfolio, it makes up for it. So you can see that one is 19, 202, that's down 21, 15%. So there is some risk involved. I'm not saying it's risk-free. That's why I want to highlight that. But like I said, what's your option? is to do nothing and be in trouble. So you have to take, but it, it has to be informed risk. Now, that's where the financial markets come in. Again, the aim is multiple streams of income. You can create income doing anything you like. If you want to go into business, start your own business, do what God has called you to do, you have a passion. I'm not saying do whatever you feel you have an expertise and a gift for, but you do it with the knowledge of compound uh, for consumer price index. Sticking to figures. What are, my inc- what are my expenses, what's my income, what's my return? Don't be having a loss making business for 10 years and think you have a business. <laughs> you know, you need to do it with uh, knowledge. But the reason why I like the financial markets is that you can do it from the comfort of your home, on your laptop, no stress. Um, what I love about money is that there are no labor laws for, for money. Money doesn't go on strike. Money doesn't complain. Money doesn't go off sick money can work 24-7, so the bit of money you're making, sweat it. Let it work hard <laughs> for you. It won't complain. <laughs> Alright, so that's why I like the financial market. So what are the financial markets? Financial markets, if you talk about financial markets, you hear the word financial markets. Financial. What it basically means is that there are four parts to it. So when you mention the financial markets, it comprises of four parts. The four parts are fixed income securities, stock market, currency market, and the commodities market. So these are the four separate components of what you call the financial markets. By the way, the Jesus House team will make the presentation available for you. So this is what the financial markets comprises of. So the fixed income securities market is different from the stock market. Stock market is different from the currency market. Currency market is different from the commodities market. So you have to understand that. The other reason why it's important to understand this breakdown of the financial market comes when you discuss investment risk. Now, investment risk just basically means, what are my chances of losing money? That's how you define investment risk. Simply, what are my chances, not of making money, what are my chances of losing money? So if you classify something as low risk, low risk means you have a low chance of losing money. Okay? So if you are a sort of person that if you lose one pound, you're going to be depressed, you're going to be on Prozac, you're going to be suicidal, then you have a low risk appetite. And it's very important you know your risk appetite. Everybody's different. Okay, and from a low risk point of view, unfortunately, the only market that gives you low risk is the fixed income securities market. That's the only one that gives you low risk. In fact, if you buy UK bonds, there is a risk is zero. But unfortunately, you get zero point six two percent return. So. You have to weigh pros and cons. But that's the only market that is low risk, fixed income securities market, when you buy treasury bills and bonds. Treasury bills and bonds are the only ones that are low risk. Anything other than treasury bills and bonds, the risk goes up. And that's very important, okay? So that's low risk. Now, when it comes to medium risk, which is what I'll be talking about, medium risk, okay, I don't mind taking a bit of a risk, but not too much, just a bit then long-term investment in the stock market is the best thing to go for. And the key word there is long-term. We're not talking of trading the markets. When you're trading, you're talking about making money within a couple of minutes, couple of days, in and out, in and out, and that's trading, that's high risk. You can blow your account, you can lose all your money. Whereas long-term investment, you're talking about five to ten years' time time span, long-term investment in the stock market can give you better returns, but there's some risk to it. But it's medium, it's not a lot of risk. And As you can see, the US S&P returned 18% in the last eight months. And then finally you have what you call high risk. And high risk means exactly what it says on the tin. High risk means high chance of you losing money. <laughs> high chance of you losing money. High chance of you getting wiped out. But if you have a high-risk appetite like me, and I trade on a daily basis, and you can trade currencies and commodities, they're the best ones to trade. But, again, you have to have an appetite of, losing, of, of getting ready to lose money. <laughs> okay? But the one I would advise you all to go for is with the long-term investment in the stock market. Now, this is the U.S. stock market. Um, it's just something I came up with when I was preparing for the mandate conference because I remembered I spoke at the mandate conference in 2009, and I said, oh, let me see what the market has done since I last spoke to them about the market. And you can see since the mandate, it's gone up by 181%. And if you had reinvested your, in, your returns, it would have been up 258%. So if you had the mandate in September and fear got into you and you were scared and you say, oh, no, this is risky, you only have yourself to blame. But the question is that do you want to do you want me to come back in 10 years and you're still again saying, oh, I didn't want to do anything, I was scared. <laughs> so that's what, again, the, the reason of showing that is that it's nice to look back now and say, oh, I wish I'd done it. Isn't that right? But that shouldn't be the case. Did I know the market would go up like this then? No, I didn't know. I'm not God, I didn't know. But what I do know is I need to do something. It might not work, but It might. Okay, same with the UK market, too. It's gone up since 2009. So, let me quickly go into long-term investing. So, long-term investing is all about you developing these four skills. You need these four skills to be a good investor. Skill number one, you need to know how to value money. Very important you know how to value money. Skill number two, you need to know how to control money. Skill number three, you need to know how to save, save money. And skill number four, you need to know how to invest money. Because if you don't value money, you can't control it. If you can't control money, you won't have money to save. And if you don't have no savings, you have no money to invest. So it's important you have those four skills. Okay? You have to value money. You have to control money. You should be able to tell me, or account for every penny you've spent this year and every penny you've gotten this year. Can you do that? Yes. You have to have that discipline. <laughs> and account for every penny. And account for every penny that is going to come in and go out of your life over the next year. You have to be able to. Because statistics show, which is a fact, that everybody in this room is a lifetime millionaire. Not amen, it's the fact. (laughs) It's a fact. Church people like that. It's a fact. So all of you here are lifetime millionaires. (laughs) So you're all lifetime millionaires. Now what the lifetime millionaire means is that from the time you were born to the time you die, hopefully in your 80s, it's been proven that a million pounds will flow through your life. But that's the problem. But most people, that's exactly what happens. It flows through. It comes in and goes out. They can't control it. It just comes in and goes out. You're just a conduit for money to be wasted. Whereas wealthy people, what they do is the money comes in, they plug it up, they stop it from leaking, and they make it grow. It's not rocket science. Because they understand the value of money and controlling it and not just letting it disappear. Okay? And then save, save. That's not a typo. That's intentional. Save, save means that you now say, okay, I want to cut my expenses. I want to save money. I'm not going to go to Starbucks. I'm not going to shop too much. I'm going to be prudent. I'm going to get better. Deals on my gas bill. And all. So you do all that and you save money. And maybe you save three, 400 pounds from doing all that cost-costing measures. Then you take that 300 pounds and go and buy a pair of shoes. <laughs> so you haven't saved Saved. So you need to save, and what you've saved, save it. <laughs> so that's why it's save, save. You know, it's like a guy who said he was a smoker, and when he quit smoking, he realized he saved like, you know, almost a thousand pounds a month from his smoking. Now when you're not asking what did you do with that money you've saved, he didn't save it. He spent it on something else. So if you want to save... Save, because when you now save, save, and what you've saved, you can now invest, okay? So let's quickly go to value of money. Do you want me to give you 1,000 pounds every day for 30 days or teach you... T- Someone already said yes. <laughs> Do you want me to give you 1,000 pounds every day for 30 days or teach you to double one pence every day for 30 days? So one thousand pounds per day for 30 days is thirty thousand pounds, and one pence doubled every day for 30 days is two point six million pounds. Yeah. What what causes that to happen? Compound interest. That's the magic of compound interest, and you can see the value of a pence. A value of one pence put to good use can generate a lot of money. So when you think money, oh, that's just one p it can make you a lot of money if you use it well. Of course, you're not going to get 100% return a year, a day. <laughs> but it just illustrates illustrate the power of compound interest and the power of valuing 1P. See? So that's compound interest, the magic of it. And that's like Albert Einstein said, that's the greatest mathematical invention known to man is compound interest. So prosperous people earn compound interest. Prosperous people, like you see with the Bank Church of England, most wealthy people, they know the power of compound interest. So they control their money, they control their expenses, they take the money they're looking for. Where can I put this money to give me compound interest? And in compound interest. Okay? Whereas, what do poor people do? They pay compound interest. Credit card debt, loans... Personal loans. There's good debt and bad debt. We won't go into that. But if you're getting out a loan to buy the new iPhone, it doesn't make sense. You're getting out a loan to buy designer clothes. You're getting out loans to show off to people, going to debt to show off to people. It doesn't make sense. Um, you know, like I always quote Paul, you have to realize what is your own cost in life. What has God called you to do? You're here to achieve and complete your own race. You're not here to compare yourself with people. I mean, like I shared, I always share this with, in fact, there are some members of Jesus House who have been on the investment journey with me, and hopefully I can trap them into helping some people with their investment. I would see I have to talk to them. <laughs> but on that journey, I became bankrupt, uh, I think about 2004, 2005, because I was heavily into real estate in 1994. I started practicing medicine in 1993, and within six months of starting medicine in UK, doing ops and gyne, I was heavily into real estate. I had over 30 properties in UK. I had properties in Cape Town, Isle of Man, Douglas, in Florida. I was making millions. I was having a great time. And then I lost it all. Everything went to the point where I was so poor I couldn't afford to pay attention. <laughs> I couldn't afford to pay attention. I was that poor. So I had to build up again. But that's the key now. Is like, but the thing is that this is, in, this is what I'm trying to get to now. During the time I was going through my financial crisis, and there are some people, like I said, who are in Jesus' house that were with me, and I was actually speaking to them about finances. I was still talking to people about my bankruptcy. I, I was sharing my history as I was making money. I was sharing as I was losing money. I was showing that I went bankrupt. (laughs) But the reason why I could do that is because I wasn't defined by the money. That wasn't why I was doing it. I had a passion for what I was doing. So whether I lost money or made money, I was bankrupt. I didn't care what people thought because that wasn't my motivation. I wasn't out. You can see I'm not decked in designer stuff. I'm not doing stuff to please people. I'm trying to run my own race. I'm trying to finish my own course like Paul. You know, I'm glad that I'm doing what God has called me to do with the work in Rwanda, being being able to create businesses to afford my lifestyle. I can travel whenever I want. I'm going to Rwanda in a couple of weeks, and I've decided just to stay there till January. I can afford to do that. So that's the key. I'm not competing with anybody. I'm doing what God told me to do. So you have to be careful what you're doing and make sure you're not, getting into debt and taking out loans, and you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Who am I trying to impress? Who am I trying to? Okay, I think, like I say, I'm not here to lecture. Let me quickly move on. So compound interest, you can see this quick chart. It shows here where you have principal with no interest. Here's where you have interest with no compounding, simple interest like you get with um, savings account. So you can see savings account, you get simple interest, and it's 0.5%. <laughs> no good at all. And then compound interest, you can see exponential growth. Now, this is another, this will probably try and round up on this slide. So you can see here where you can save a pound a day, can generate you a million pounds. So it's 730 pounds every month. 730 pounds every month can generate you a million pounds. So it depends how. <laughs> now, let's... Okay, I'll give you two quick examples because we only have 10 minutes left. So 30 pounds a month, every month, can give you a million pounds. So if you do it at an interest rate of 3%, so if you're getting 3% annually on your 30 pounds every month, you're getting 3% annually compounded, you'll get a million pounds in 150 years, which is where you're going with your savings account. (laughs) Now, let's, let's quickly jump to 10%. Uh, because, like you say, I showed you the U.S. stock market and the U.K. stock market. It has averaged about 13% over the last 10 years. The average return has been about 13%. So you can sort of get 10% if you start investing in the index funds. So let's look at 10%. So if you're doing 30 pounds every month, 30 pounds every month, and you're getting 10% return every year, compounded, you can get your million pounds in 59 years. How do you shorten the duration? Sorry? You save more. It's as simple as that. So if you want to shorten the duration, you invest more. Now the big question is where does that extra money come from? So if you want to increase it from 30 pounds a month to 60 pounds a month, you have to look for 30 pounds from somewhere else. So you have to reduce your expenses. Something has to give somewhere. So you can see they're all interrelated. You need to now sink into the value of money. Maybe you have to skip Starbucks to get that extra pound, £30. Pound. Maybe I have to shop less to get that extra £30. Pounds. Or you can earn more. So that's why I said earlier, you can make a lot of money from what you're earning now if you're using it wisely. And you're controlling it and investing it. Okay? And finally, you can see that, you know, in terms of generational wealth, if your parents had open investment accounts for all of you when you were born... I was investing for you guys, and gave you the account at the age of twenty. Most of you would have been set for life. You can just wipe off poverty. so if your parents didn 't do that for you, you can do it for your children, and you know you can have accounts from the age of zero okay so that 's just to highlight to you the power of money. Let me just quickly go. I think we 've run out of time, but basically, what I, which I advise people to do uh, you know the best thing to do is to invest in index funds, uh, because index funds are the best ones where the risk is even less. Uh, okay, I have six minutes, let me quickly describe what index funds are. Every country has a stock market, Yeah, every country has a stock market. And if you want to measure how well the country is doing, you need to look at the stock market, how they're doing. So let's use the UK as an example. So if you want to see how well the UK economy is doing, you look at the UK stock market. So if the UK stock market is doing well, then you can say the UK economy is doing well. If the UK stock market is doing badly, you can say the UK economy is doing badly. Isn't that right? So you have to measure the performance. Now that measurement of the performance of the UK stock market is called an index. So that index means you're measuring the performance. So every country has a standard where they measure the performance of their stock market. So for example, in the UK, they use the FTSE 100 to measure the performance of the UK stock market. Now, the FTSE 100 is called FTSE 100 for a reason. It means they use the top 100 companies in the UK to measure the performance of the UK stock market. So basically, what you're doing with the index fund, if you buy an index fund or invest in an index fund, you basically have exposure to the top 100 companies in the UK. And if you think about it, how many of you think you'd do well if you invest in the top 100 companies in the UK over the the next 10 years? So you say, it's okay. Same with the USA, S&P 500 is the index. They use the top 500 companies in the U.S. to measure the performance. So if you buy a U.S. index, you basically have exposure to the top 500 companies in the U- U.S. Again, if you think about it, if you do that over 10 years, you do okay. So that's why I always advise people to they and start off with buying a U.K. index or a U.S. index. Guess how much it is to invest? Minimum, 25 pounds. 25 pounds minimum to invest in an index fund so again it's not expensive okay so I think I will rush through the rest it's the rest is just just talking about ISA's account so obviously you can open investment accounts using an ISA get some tax protection use uh, a SIP account tool that gives you added tax benefits but we haven't got time for all that but just to show that there are some accounts you can use that can give you added benefits. And basically, timing in, if you're, using, if you're investing in index funds, as I've just explained to you, you can see there's no reason why you need to wait. Just start straight away and start investing. But do what we call pound cost averaging, because you know the market goes up and down. So basically, what I'd advise was to spread their investment on a monthly payment. So if you buy this month and the market is up, you get a few units. If you buy the next month and the market has crashed, you get a lot of units. So it sort of averages out over time. And if you guys are lucky, you do it now, you have Brexit, the market crashes, you can get a lot. (laughs) And when the market recovers, you make a lot of money. But the good thing about the index fund is relatively safe compared to choosing individual stocks. Because if you want to do individual stocks, you need more education and knowledge. And timing out, the longer you invest, the lower the risk. So remember long-term investment means exactly that. Long-term. Asset allocation, I'll just summarize that. It just means don't put all your eggs in one basket. So diversify your investments over different asset classes and over different countries, which is why I have investment accounts in the US, UK, Ghana, Rwanda, and Nigeria. So it's all diversified and in different companies. So f- for example, you can see in my UK, part of my UK investment account, I have real estate shares, uh, US index, a corporate bond, China market, European food and beverage, European telecoms, European utilities. So it just shows you that it's varied across different asset classes and different countries. But all this can be learned. So I'll end on this investment tips from Warren Buffet. He says, on earning, never depend on single income. Make investments to create a second source. On spending, if you buy things you don't need, Soon you, will, oops, soon you will have to sell things you do need. On savings, do not say what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. And I'll just jump to the last one. Like I said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So like I said, you can send your questions, texts uh, to the Twitter handle at Jesus House, uh, NextGenFLX, and also the competition. Remember, what did you learn from today? What are you going to do from today? Send your answers to... Those Twitter, Instagram handle, and you could win a book. Uh, the three best answers will get a book. And like I said, Jesus House, the, the competition closes tomorrow night, Monday midnight, and they will choose the winners and they will contact you. So thank you very much. <clears throat>